Believe in yourself, reach out for your dreams. Don't surrender, there is more than it seems. Hold on and fight, follow your heart. This is your way, love is what you make of it. Hi, this is Dr. Joe Luciani welcoming you to another session of self-coaching where real-life emotional struggle, whether it's depression, anxiety, relationship conflict, losing weight, or simply handling life's challenges are all addressed, teaching you to become your own best coach. But before beginning today's podcast, let me ask you to consider taking a look at my latest book, Unlearning Anxiety and Depression, the four-step self-coaching program to reclaim your life. And please, any questions, comments, or suggestions for upcoming podcasts, let me know. You can contact me through my website, selfcoaching.net, or my email, selfcoachinghelp at aol.com. Well, welcome to a Valentine Day week podcast. So what's all the hoopla about Valentine's Day? Well, it's all those hearts and cherubs and arrows flying. It's it's about love, L-O-V-E. And what the heck is this thing called love? I mean, the Egyptians thought it came from the heart, you know, the feelings of love. And to this day, look at look at your Valentine cards. It's all hearts. There's the center of love, even though we know today that it's really more of a psychological thing that comes from the brain. But it's romantic to feel it comes from the heart. So we'll keep our little hearts and our little cherubs and all those arrows flying. And today we're going to take a look at the different aspects of love. And there are three, lust, attraction, and attachment. And we'll be going over those in a second. But there's no doubt it's hard to pin down this thing we call love, this experience. But I find the image offered by Plato way back in 385 B.C., Perhaps I would call it the most provocative portrayal of this primal attraction that we have. I love this story. And I'm going to read to you from the symposium. Not a lot, just a paragraph, but it's it's interesting enough that I want you to I want you to pay attention now. So Plato, in discussing the nature of love, he talked about these these primal beings, these primal androgynes, as he called them. These primal beings were these rotund round beings that possessed both female and male components they had four arms and four legs two faces and these were i can't imagine what they were but they were able to roll around obviously and they could roll very rapidly because they could use their forearms to push them and stuff and they were they were quite uh, taken with themselves i must say and so much so that they grew in arrogance, these primal androgynes. And they decided one day that they were going to challenge the gods. And as you can guess, it's never, never a good thing to challenge the gods. So Zeus was beginning to become somewhat wary of this buildup of angst by these primal beings. And they decided to uh, attack, to get to Zeus and I guess they were going to take over or something. But Zeus would have nothing of this and decided that something had to be done. 
So what did he do? Well, as any any God-fearing God would do, he decided to cut these androgynes in half, split them just like a fat fish, as Plato said. And now what we have is two halves. And let me read a little bit from, from Plato. After the division, the two parts of man, each yearning for the other half, came together, and throwing their arms about each other, and intertwining in mutual embraces, and they did this out of a desire to grow into one. So what happened when these androgynes were cut in half, it left them longing, and they kept looking for their counterpart, the part that had been split off. They were incomplete, according to Plato. Of course, this is the nature of our beings, that we are incomplete without our other. And Plato goes on, and he says that so ancient is the desire for one another that is implanted in us, reuniting our original nature, trying to make one of two, and healing that state of man. Each of us, sliced in two like a flat fish, is but the half of a man, and each is always looking for his other half. I think that's rather brilliant. And I think it it is one way to express this, this innate longing we have for completeness. Now, isn't that isn't that a, a one way to describe love that that we we are we have this I guess we would call it this primal imperative to complete ourselves and think about the love that you've experienced in your life isn't the love an attempt to feel that completeness and when it comes your way and you are you are blessed with that experience of love that profound experience isn't it a feeling of wholeness. That which was fractured and sliced off now feels whole, that illusion of wholeness. Well, anyway, that was Plato's discussion, which I totally, totally, totally love, because it says to me that there was a, a primal scenario where we were one and yet became two, and we're trying to restore that, that original state of oneness. And it's compelling. And it is so compelling that the world that we live in has depended on our success in coming together. And that primal attraction is what we call love. So let's take a look first, before we get into the different aspects of love, let's take a look at the biology of love. I know it's kind of, we're going from the heart to the brain, but it's important. It's important that you understand that, that the different aspects of love have all been kind of genetically engineered through evolution to do what? Well, ultimately, procreation. If our species became complacent, think about it for a second. If our species became complacent about pursuing our other half, if, if we became complacent about not needing to be whole, well, maybe you and I wouldn't be here today. So we needed to have a biology that promoted love, and it begins with lust. Now, lust is primarily the sexual or the sex drive, and it's driven by a desire for sexual gratification. So when you lust for someone, 
there is a sexual component to that lust. And that is primarily the beginning of that evolutionary uh, adaptation, because again, it is that imperative to push us toward the other. And lust is not love and shouldn't be mistaken for it. You see, lust is driven primarily by hormones, testosterone in men and estrogen in women, and high levels of dopamine. Now, dopamine is the uh, pleasure chemicals in the brain. The pleasure centers of the brain are driven by dopamine. Same thing that drives cocaine use. Cocaine creates an abundance of dopamine, and this is the pleasurable and addictive aspect of cocaine. And along with the dopamine levels that are increased when we lust for someone is the related hormone norepinephrine. So dopamine, norepinephrine, along with the hormones testosterone and estrogen, they lay down the format for this compulsive, if you will, lusting for someone that we feel we want to engage in some kind of sexual way. Now, now keep in mind, you can lust for someone that you love, but you can also lust for someone that you don't love. And this is just the first step, the evolutionary step in just bringing two people together. That's the, I mean, if that didn't happen, then the other stages of love are irrelevant. So we needed first that, that compelling sexual imperative to connect with the other. So once we go through the lust stage of love, we come to the next stage, which is romantic love or attraction. Now, attraction is, I guess, I guess it's, you, you kind of would call it an addiction to another human being. And the chemicals involved in this attraction, of course, dopamine being one of them, these chemicals make us feel giddy, energetic, euphoric. Sometimes, you know, we can't eat, we can't sleep. So when you are in love, you're kind of also suffering being in love. You know, when they, when they do brain scans of people in love, they've actually shown that the primary reward centers of the brain, they start firing like crazy whenever someone is shown a photograph of someone they are deeply attracted to. So we know that the brain fires off all of these kind of addictive chemicals when we are attracted to someone. Love struck, sometimes called the lightning bolt. When we crave the company of someone we cannot see, we suffer. So now let me ask you, what is the most romantic portrayal of this romantic thing called love? And maybe, well, for me, I would say Romeo and Juliet by William Shakespeare. Just brilliant. The intensity, the longing, the need, the desire. As the story goes, Romeo and Juliet's families were quarreling and fighting, and, and Romeo and Juliet could not get together to get married. And Juliet was to be shipped off the next day to marry someone else. And she was, of course, distraught because it was Romeo that she wanted more than anything. She enlisted the help of the good friar who came and gave her a sleeping potion which would make her appear dead. 
and then excuse her from moving on to another marriage. So Romeo, hearing that Juliet was dead, took poison and died. Now Juliet, coming out of her drug-induced coma, found Romeo dead. And Juliet stabs herself with the words, Oh, happy dagger, this is my sheath. And I guess, you know, that's there's kind of an allusion to the, the lustful aspect, the sheath and the dagger. This is now the death that brings her to Romeo. Now, it is my contention that Romeo and Juliet had to die. I mean, you might be wondering, what a terrible ending. <laughs> well, well, it's not a terrible ending. It is the only ending that makes sense. If you look at the aspect of love that they were involved in, symbolically involved in, and that's that's this thing we're calling the attraction phase or romantic love. You see, it is the infatuation of romantic love that must die. If true love is going to take place, then we have to come out of the clouds. We have to come down to earth. So Romeo and Juliet, in my estimation, represented the infatuated bliss of love, not of this earth, of something much more ethereal, something much more unobtainable. It was that which we call infatuation. And it is my contention that all infatuation must die before the advent of true love can begin. So Romeo and Juliet, two wonderful, wonderful examples of romantic love. So I say that romantic love, infatuation has to die before we move on to long-term love, which is attachment. Now, what is attachment? Well, after about four years of being in a relationship, what happens to our brains? In our brains, I should say. Well, dopamine levels begin to decrease. Oh, no more high, no more, no more wonderful uh, up in the cloud experiences. No more bells, no more whistles. Oh my goodness, this is such a terrible thing. Or is it? Well, think about it for a second. If Romeo and Juliet had to die, and if infatuation has to die, and if dopamine and infatuation go hand in hand then the diminishing dopamine levels leaves us what? Well, it leaves us open to something else happening. Because what happens to us in long-term committed relationships that are going well is that the dopamine gets replaced by two hormones, oxytocin and vasopressin. These hormones Create the desire to bond with your partner. It's amazing, right? So we have all this chemical excitement that begins with lust and all of this intensity, and it drives us toward the other. And then this attraction phase where we can't live without each other, and we're starting to come together and form a relationship. Because don't forget, lust can be a one-night stand. But the attraction phase, the Romeo and Juliet phase, the romantic phase... That kind of brings the relationship more into focus, and we find out whether or not that relationship is a hit or miss. And if it's a hit, 
then eventually the dopamine levels begin to decrease. But the relationship is there and we're starting to grow and bond. And over time, oxytocin and vasopressin begin to take over. These are the bonding chemicals. Oxytocin is often called the, the cuddle hormone, <laughs> the cuddle chemical, because it makes us feel that warm, fuzzy feeling. So as you, as you can see, just based on the three different aspects of love, that love, what we're calling love, can be both the best and the worst of things for you. When you're in those initial phases of lust and romantic love, those infatuated experience could be the thing that gets you up in the morning. Or if that person does not return the love, then it could be the thing that makes you not want to wake up again. Very powerful chemicals engineered by our, adapt our adaptation, our evolutionary adaptation for one need, and that is procreation, to bring us together, to rear children, to bond with our children, to bond with our partners. And the manifestations of this are inherent in every human being. What's important for you is that Reaching the attachment phase is sometimes requires some work, some effort. To be committed is to recognize that, you know, there, there needs to be two people that are, you know, in that inf infatuated phase, everything's perfect, let's face it. No matter what your, 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 your partner is doing, ah, they're perfect. You know, they're just the cat's meow. And you just love everything about them. And then, of course, as the relationship grows and it comes down to earth, and now you're dealing not with the infatuated impression of that person, that persona, but you're dealing with the actual person, with their faults and their flaws. And that's where a relationship is either going to make it or break it. So lust, romantic love, infatuation, these are states of uh, unconsciousness, if you will where our chemicals have deluded us into seeing perfection in all ways in this other person. And we don't see the imperfections, since we all have imperfections. We don't see those until we progress beyond the romantic love stage, beyond the infatuated phase. But it's the oxytocin that really allows us to spend a life together with someone. It is that committed life, that enriched life. It is what Plato described as that yearning for completeness, for wholeness. And that's what drives us through the various phases of love. And the initial phases are just, you know, introductory phases to get us, get us going with someone else. But the goal, of course, is to get us bonded with someone else. That's, that's the coming together of the halves that have been separated. If you are fortunate and you are in a wonderfully committed relationship, you have this experience of wholeness. I was working with a man recently, an elderly gentleman who passed away, and all he wanted was to be reunited with his wife that had preceded him in death. He wanted to be reunited once again with her in heaven. And there is a beautiful thing about, about wanting to be together. 
and there is a painful thing about it. But when there is that wholeness, when there is that experience of true love, we have the infatuated love and the lusting and all of that, but true love is committed love, where we're dealing with the actual person, not the illusion of what we might want in that person, but we're dealing with the actual person. And we allow ourselves to really unite and become part of that person. And that's why going back to Plato, I just I just love the fact that we we have in us a kind of a primordial knowledge, if you will, a collective understanding of we of how we've been halved and how the other is what's necessary for our own completeness. So that's that's my that's my Valentine's Day take on love. Uh, all over the place, but nevertheless, I, I, I don't know. I just, I just feel that you need to understand that our psychology, our being, our essence here, there seems to be, and you can have a different opinion, of course, but there seems to be an imperative that there, there is this one explicit goal to reunite with our other half. I just love that. I just love that. So with that, you know, visit my website, selfcoaching.net, where you could learn more about my self-coaching philosophy. And until next time, remember that being victimized by emotional struggle is not an option. And by definition, victims are powerless. And you're not powerless. So remember, everything's hard until you make it simple. So what do you say? Join me this week and every week, and let's make it simple together. Yourself. Reach out for your dreams Don't surrender, there is more than it seems Hold